0: Thank you, Becca, for our presence. We all love presents, right? Okay, and I love that honor moment that we just had. Do you know, I think um, my husband teaches this. He says that honor is the love language of heaven. And uh, I think that. So I think whenever we get a chance to actually honor someone, sometimes we withhold honor because we think, oh, it's going to give him a big head. That's not your responsibility. We just honor people. When you honor, yeah. I think that actually opens the heart of God. So I, I love that moment. And uh, how many of you, when, when she, where was she? What, Andrea, right? Andrea, where are you, Andrea? Somewhere back there. Okay, when she was getting those lovely gifts, how many of you were like, uh, should be me? <laughs> probably, but listen, probably none of you. Right? Because we took a moment and honored someone. Right? What a great thing, and I love the heart of women. I think most of us, when we saw this woman getting on her, we're like, yeah, you go, girl! Right? That's the power of sisterhood, right, is that we come alongside one another and we cheer each other on. And, and I'm actually gonna give you something else, Andrea. Here you go, this is uh, the newest book from my world. Will you just run that back to her? You young thing right there, you. Um... <laughs> um. So God bless you with that. I think they're in the boutique, but evidently you have to hurry up and get stuff around here. They shut the store down. Don't you understand women and shopping? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Should spread through the weekend. I think the sparkle dust should spread through the whole weekend. (laughs) Okay, everybody stand up. Come on, it's the after lunch slump. I know, that's why they gave me this slot. So as long as I'm standing, you are too. Okay, that's all, make sure you stay awake. Okay, take a look at that girl next to you. Yep, she needs prayer again, okay. (laughs) Grab her hand. Cross the aisles, come on, let's pretend. We like each other all over. Father, I thank you for this miracle whose hand I'm holding. And I thank you, God, that every plan that you have for her will be fulfilled. I declare, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in her life. I thank you, Father, that peace fills her heart, that wisdom guides her steps, and that she experiences the true blessing of God in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, squeeze, squeeze those cheeks, come on. <sighs> somebody, somebody told me yesterday that, whoa, you had a squeeze in cheeks and we, we don't do that here. Oh, look, I'm from LA. That's how we do it. So you know that Minnesota inhibited thing, we, we're not going to be that today, all right? So in our church, in our culture, we don't just sit there quietly. So if I say something that you like, I want to hear, you go girl. You know, amen, for all the church people, amen. (laughs) That's right, yup. Let me hear you, give me a little bit of that right now. Way to go. (laughs) All right, anybody like movies? Way to be responsive, good job. Yeah, I I like movies too, but most of the time I will ask the person who's seen the movie that I wanna see, Does the ending make sense? Right? I don't mind all of the ups and downs and emotional journeys and twists and turns of a plot as long as the ending makes sense. Right? Endings matter. Did anybody ever see that TV series Lost? Right? Such an interesting show, right? This cast of great characters, crazy adventures. There was this weird group of people called The Others. And then mysterious smokes, smoke, you know... Random polar bears, hidden buildings, secret code, and the worst last episode ever. Ever. I wanted to throw something at my television. Well, I heard from someone who actually worked on that show that the reason the ending was what it was was because they never expected the show to last that long. They didn't have a plan. Well, unlike the writers of lost, when God starts something, he has the end in mind. And it might be different than you can imagine, but I promise you it will ultimately be better. And because I like to know the ending, I'm going to share one with you. Jeremiah 29 11, in a way, is an end result of what God would say to us. He says this, many of us would know this verse. For I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. An amazing, encouraging verse. But you know, this was not written in the middle of amazing circumstances. It was actually written to the Jewish exiles who were in Babylon and they had been forcibly removed from Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar and so they were uprooted from everything that was dear to them, and they were now hundreds of miles away in an environment of of darkness and, and, and chaos, and it would seem like all of their dreams and hopes were smashed, and I bet deep inside they probably wondered, how did we get here? And maybe, maybe they wondered if God had forgotten them. And so, this is what he says to them in the midst of their doubts and in the midst of their fear. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you. And what I love about that is it tells us that God thinks about us. That might be one of the most important things we ever hear is that the God of the universe thinks about us. He considers us, he knows us, he keeps us in mind, he knows who we are, he knows where we are, not for one second. Are we lost or forgotten? Now, we might have questions, but this much is clear. God is thinking about us always. And then he goes on to say that my thoughts towards you are of peace and and not of evil. I mean, it's not just enough to know that he's thinking about us, we wanna know what he's thinking. And he's thinking peace towards you. God is not looking at you and thinking, oh, I wish you were different. No, God is not looking at you and saying, oh, what a disappointment you turned out to be. No, God looks at you and is thinking peace. He's thinking good thoughts towards you. And then he goes on to say his plans include a future and a hope. Now, some versions actually translate that verse to say, God is going to give us an expected end. And I actually like that translation because it means that there's a promised end to this season, or this situation that we might be in. And because God is eternal, and, and obviously our promised end includes heaven, but God is not just giving some vague promise that things are going to be better sometime, somehow, some way. I mean, that's true, but this verse has a specific focus. God has an appointed end for his people, for you and for me, and nothing will hinder us from reaching that end. So this is the the future, and the hope. This is the end. So let's take a look at how we get there because we're going to get there. And on this journey between now and our promised end, we're going to need to be brave. We're going to need to be brave. The life that God has entrusted you with, the life that God has entrusted me with, will include moments that demand bravery. Habakkuk 3.19 it's a verse I've spent a little bit of time in. And in the Amplified version, it, it, this is how I, I like it in this version. It says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery. It's not just bravery in general. He's my personal bravery. He's my invincible army. It says, he'll make my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, suffering and responsibility. See, I believe that I've been sent to the planet at this time in history to fulfill a purpose that is not my own, it is His. My life is not my own. And if you said yes to Jesus, your life is not your own. It is His. And He is my personal bravery, He is my invincible army, and because He's both of those, then He's gonna cause me to walk Not stand still in terror at whatever situation might be in front of me, but to walk, which means I can't allow myself to get overwhelmed with whatever obstacle might be on the journey in front of me. And I'm very aware, I am very aware that that is so much easier said than done. Yeah, Amen, sister, I preach that. Because listen, on your journey to your promised end, perhaps you are taking care of aging parents. Bravery is needed. Or like Andrea, you have special needs children. Bravery is needed. And then some of us in this room, we're facing a battery of medical tests. Bravery is needed. Some of us have lost a job. Some of us can't find a job. Some of us have had our heart broken. Some of us have lost a loved one. Some of us just don't know the next step to take. But whatever the challenge, whatever the situation, he is our personal bravery. And when he actually is our strength and our bravery, then he will make us walk. Not stand still afraid, not freak out, but walk. And not only to walk, but it says he'll cause us to make progress. In the very area where the enemy wants to take us out, that's the very area we will make progress in. I love that and so if that's you right now just breathe. He is your personal bravery and I love that it says he'll cause us to make progress in the area of trouble and suffering and responsibility. I love that it uses that word responsibility. That is so not a glamorous word Right, nobody is designing t-shirts that say get your responsible on. You <laughs> know, I'm responsibility queen. Nobody is doing that, but somehow just the fact that that word is used is reassuring to me. Because some of us get up day after day, and we go to the same job, and we do the same thing. And some of us daily take care of children, and we wonder if we're ever going to have an adult conversation. And some of us go to school day in and day out, and we're wondering where it's going to lead. And then some of us wake up and look at that same man that we have for the last 22 years. And, and then some of us go to our connect group one more week, and... and, and Maybe some of you were learning to pay bills for the first time and you're wondering if being an adult is actually worth it. (laughs) You know, all of these seemingly not grand moments that demand responsibility. As we live out our mission, as we walk on the path and are walking daily in the places where consistency and reliability and dependability is demanded of us, God meets us there too. He's not only our personal bravery so that we can go through the hard, big, tough challenges. He is our personal bravery in the day in and day out moments where responsibility is demanded. He is your personal bravery, whatever we face. You know, when God says to us in Joshua 1.9, haven't I commanded you strength, courage, don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God is with you every step you take. I love that it starts with, haven't I commanded you? He's not actually asking. And the thing with God is he's not gonna ask you to do something you can't do. He's not asking you to be seven feet four. He's saying, just be brave, have strength. And it's brave, it's brave for a reason. Brave is more than a feeling. It is more than the word on the t-shirt. It is a conviction. And it's brave for something. Bravery because it glorifies God. Now, on a large scale, we obviously are to be brave to stand up to the global injustices that we become aware of, whether it's human trafficking or just the millions of War refugees, the the planet has never seen a crisis like it's currently seeing, and and disease that's almost on every continent, so we have to be brave in the midst of global injustices. And then there's just everyday bravery, and honestly, this is what I think God is talking about, everyday bravery. Sometimes we think bravery is only needed in the extreme sports, but really God is commanding us to have everyday bravery. Brave to stick it out through a rough patch in a marriage or a rough season at work. Brave as you choose to not be addicted anymore. Brave as you choose to complete the recovery process. Brave as you keep your mouth shut rather than attacking back. Anybody else have a hard time with that one or is it just me? Sometimes for me, the bravest thing I can do is mm, 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 mm. anybody, my friend, in the room? I know some of you, probably the more introverted ones, you have to learn to be brave to speak up when speaking up is needed. But for the extroverts in the room, we have to learn to shut us up. All right, I can be brave, and I'm gonna give you three reasons why we can be brave. The first one is I can be brave because I know who I am. I am the loved beyond measure, daughter of the king. My father is the God of the angel armies, creator of the universe, lover of my soul. That is the foundation of every step that I take. I know who I am. And second, I can be brave because heaven is my home. You know, as followers of Jesus, we are both Citizens and ambassadors of another world. This world is our assignment. It is not our home. Our purpose is eternal. Philippians 3 says, "Our citizenship is in heaven, and in Ephesians, it says, "I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places." And in Corinthians, Paul refers to us as Christ's ambassadors." Well, as an ambassador, we live in one world while representing another. So my job here on planet Earth is to represent the heart of my God and fulfill his mission. And when I do, then all of God's resources, including his army, are at my disposal to carry out the king's orders. I'm not brave because of my name. I'm brave because I am here with the full support of heaven's armies. Heaven is home. This is my assignment. And third, I can be brave because I know that God causes all things to work together for good. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now this isn't always easy to know, is it? Because sometimes life throws us some really challenging, hard moments, and we can get overwhelmed. You know, Ephesians 2.10 refers to us as God's masterpiece, as we are God's masterpiece. But I don't always feel like a work of art, right? I feel more like a mess sometimes. But you are. You are his masterpiece. You are his tapestry, only thing is, God works from the backside of the tapestry, and if you let him in, he will take all of the seemingly chaoticness of the threads, all of the knots, and he will cause all things to work together for good. See, sometimes we think, if he's here, if he's sovereign, if he cares, then we would see some sort of pattern or direction in our lives, and yet often our life looks like the backside of this tapestry I have here on stage, doesn't it? There just doesn't seem to be a pattern to it, it's just like a tangled mess. But he will take them all and form us into his masterpiece because we love him and we're called according to his purpose. And I know it can be hard to believe because we see the mistakes, we see the pain, we see the flaws, and yet Romans 8.28 says we can know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And right before that verse, in verse 25 and 26, it talks about the Holy Spirit letting the Holy Spirit in who comes alongside us. It says in verse 26, in the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We don't know often what prayer to offer or how to do it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. So sometimes we just, if we let the Holy Spirit in, he's the one that comes in and begins to form it all together. We have to allow the Holy Spirit in to help us in our weakness. And this verse reassures me that he's praying for us. He's praying for you as you're on the journey to be conformed into the image of Jesus. You know, um, the last two years just kind of ended uh, for me, one of the hardest seasons in my ministry life. Philip and I have been pastoring Oasis Church for 32 years, and we love the church. We love that God's trusted us with that city, and and uh, we've been you know married over 30 years. Uh, and these last two years were honestly the hardest of my life. And uh, they began. This really challenging season began with my father passing away suddenly, and he'd been. My biggest hero, my biggest champion, I was loved very well by my father, and then, right after that, someone stole Phillip's and my identity and hacked into our bank account and, and stole our savings account and The FBI got, invol- got involved, but they couldn 't really do anything and ended up being something from overseas and so we actually never got that money back and Then uh, Philip was diagnosed with cancer and We went through some of the treatment for that, and then just uh, the treatment really compromised his immune system. And then right after that, just when he's starting to maybe think he's recovering, then he gets a really bad case of shingles, and he can't walk for about four months, and he's in agony. It's one of the worst cases I think the doctor had ever seen. And, you know, men are amazing. (laughs) But when they're sick, it affects everything, <laughs> and uh, it's hard, those of you who are caretakers, you know that it's hard sometimes walking through that. And, and then I had to actually help my daughter through an absolutely heartbreaking situation, and, then in the midst of this, so the, the things that we're processing in the midst of this, when I'm perhaps at my weakest and certainly certainly not at my best, what I needed was her people to undergird and to help. And the very people that I would have counted on to help do that were the ones that ultimately betrayed me and stabbed me in the back. So it felt like punch after punch after punch after punch, and now I'm getting knives in my back. And you know what? In all of these dark thread moments the last few years, all of them where I just, it just felt like there was so much coming against me. I had to make the decision to not surrender my joy. And you know, joy is not a feeling. Joy is not happy. Joy is a decision. Joy is the steel rod that runs straight up your back and holds you upright. And I had to do what I taught you last night. I had to determine to be grateful. And can I just say, sometimes I would come down to our kitchen and Philip had gotten this jar, and he put it in our kitchen, and he said, this is gonna be our gratitude jar. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) Does that mean I get to throw it against the wall? He's like, no. (laughs) He said, we're gonna take a piece of paper, and we're gonna write one day, we're gonna write one time a day, something that we can be grateful for, and put it in that jar. And so here I am in the midst of this uh, horrible season, and it's feeling just so bad, and sometimes I go to our kitchen, and there would be that jar. And I'd have to take a pen, and I'd have to go, sunshine. I mean, it's LA, there's always gonna be sunshine. (laughs) I didn't have to dig deep for that one, and then I would just go, coffee. I mean, sometimes they were just little things, but that's the decisions I had to make in order to break something in me. Listen, we may not like the color of the thread, that we're currently in the middle of. Maybe you're in the middle of this one and that you know dark, knotted season and maybe the, the dark color of that thread is the thread that came when your spouse left you or when you lost a job or just a season of waiting and not seeing an answer and of course you're hurt and you're angry, but if you let God, he will make all things work together for good. You might ask, how? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how he put the stars in the sky. I don't know how he makes my a heartbeat. I don't know how a seed becomes a tree. I don't know how a man's mind works. I don't know. (laughs) But I do know that all things work together for good to those who love him, who are surrendered to him. All things can be used in the masterpiece. It is a mystery of his grace. And I can be brave because I know that. Now, if we're not careful, that verse can almost become a little cliche, and it can be misused. It can become this religious happy pill. You know, someone who's hurting or in the middle of a hard season, we come up to them and we would say, you know, all things work together for good. It's like, right? (laughs) And, you know, our attempt might fail. Why? Because they're just words. They don't provide the real relief. We have to move beyond the words to the knowing. You have to know. And let's just say this for the record. Tragedy is not good. It's not good when a child dies, a marriage ends, when cancer hits, when you lose a job or have a financial crisis. These things aren't good. And I don't want to do anyone a disservice or nullify very real pain. Those are just the moments when bravery is needed. See, in my view of the tapestry, all I can see is the little piece of it that I'm in the middle of because my view is constrained by time. But God's view is eternal. Mine is very temporal, God's is eternal. You know, when Philip and I started the church you know, over 32 years ago, oh, it was so hard. It was hard. We were in the heart of Los Angeles. Everybody else was running for the suburbs. But we just felt a conviction about the city of Los Angeles. And it was so hard. And, you know, financially, we just it was challenging. And it's a very secular city. And how do we do this? And, and I remember in the very beginning, Philip had three jobs. And I was working. We had all to try to make this work. And, and one of Philip's jobs was driving a limousine, which... Can I just say, today, he needs Siri, a navigation system, and me <laughs> to get him where he's going. So I honestly have no idea how he drove any of those people <laughs> and how they ended up where they were supposed to be. I have no idea. One of the many jobs that I just didn't understand why I was taking so hard. I'm just like, God, this is terrible. Why is it, we're working for you for Pete's sake, right? <laughs> But now, with an eternal perspective, I look back and I'm amazed at what God has built. Right? The thousands of people that have made decisions for Jesus, the influence we have in a city that desperately needs to see Jesus. And and I just shudder to think of what we, I almost gave up because I wasn't willing to let God work all things together for good. Do you know, if the Holly and Philip who started the church immediately moved to being pastors of a mega church, oof would have been a bad situation. God worked all things together for good. So by the time we're trusted with the platform, we have the character and the ability to sustain it. Not perfect, but God worked all things together for good. Do you know, 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Horrible. So I'm in the middle of this horrible situation, horrible. I hated this. I hated the treatment. I hated the whole thing. But now I look back with an eternal perspective and the thousands of women I've been able to help as they navigate that journey. God caused all things to work together for good. Now let me just clarify. God did not give me cancer. He doesn't have cancer to give. Right, Jesus paid the price so that I could be healed. God is the forgiver of my sins and the healer of my body. However, in the midst of a challenge, if you let him, God will take whatever painful situation you are in the middle of and cause all things to be worked together for good. The plans that the enemy has, God will turn them around for good. See, when God's grace comes in, it doesn't just start to change your life from today on, but it moves in every direction. When you let him in, he comes in and takes all of your past. The good, the bad, the ugly. Your today and your future and makes all things work together for good. The Apostle Paul wrote many of his amazing letters while he was in prison. Now, I would imagine he didn't like it in there. He's probably going, God, I don't want to be in here. I want to be out there serving Jesus. right? And here he was stuck in prison. But now with an eternal perspective, his daily teachings, which I'm sure he wanted to get to, were so small in comparison to the influence that those books, those letters that he wrote while he was in prison that have shaped generations. God's caused all things to work together for good. You know, the apostle Paul, he suffered many things, and uh, in 2 Corinthians, he refers to what he suffered as light afflictions. Do you want to hear what he calls light afflictions? Being betrayed, being whipped, being beaten with rods, being shipwrecked, being bitten by a poisonous snake, long imprisonment, pretty bad threads. And yet God caused all things to work together for good. That's why we have to put our faith in God. Maybe you're saying, well, I can see how that would be true with Paul's life but I don't see how it could be true with mine. You know, maybe I've lost a job or I've had a marriage meltdown. I just don't see how it could be true. Well, I don't either, but all I know is that God causes all things to work together for good, and my bravery comes from that. See, this is what makes us different from the world, is that we can know that God causes all things to work together for good. You know, being brave, even if it doesn't go how we want, Because Jesus is our eternal hope. His story is eternal good. We only see this perspective. We get stuck in the backside of the tapestry. But our story is being written long beyond our last breath here. You know, living by faith means living by the evidence of things not seen. We can't quit. Listen to me. You can't quit. God is positioning you for what he's doing on the earth. He knows where you are. He sees you. In the story of Joseph, if we zoom out and look at the tapestry, whoa, amazing life. woohoo! But if you zoom in and focus on any one thread, we lose sight of the whole tapestry. You know, his story, Joseph's story, takes place in Genesis 37 and Many of us would know this, he was the favored son of Jacob. He had 10 older brothers who hated him, and at one point he had a dream that so angered his brothers that they sold him into slavery and he was immediately taken to Egypt. Pretty bad threads when your family sells you into slavery. And then when he gets into Egypt, he's falsely accused and he's put in prison. He's forgotten about for a long time. So, sold into slavery, put into prison. Pretty bad threads. And then he gets out and becomes the second most powerful man in the known world. And his wisdom keeps millions from starvation. And then ultimately his brothers show up in Egypt to get food because the land around them was in famine. And Joseph is the one disseminating the food And when they get there, they don't even recognize Joseph because as far as they were concerned, he was dead a long time ago. And when Joseph does reveal himself to his brothers, he could have had them killed. And instead he says, don't worry about what you did. You meant it for evil, but God turned it around for good. You know, I wonder... I wonder if Joseph had moved immediately from being sold as a slave to the most powerful man in the known world, that immediate jump, if he would have had the wisdom that could save millions from starvation. See, God caused everything to work together for good. We may not understand the moment, but we can know, and we can be brave because we know that God causes everything to work together for good. You know, the story of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Second-class citizen, a harlot in the city of Jericho. And this woman had heard somehow about the God of Israel who was doing really powerful things amongst his people. And so when the two spies from the children of Israel came into Jericho to check it out, She protected them, she hid them at her own peril. And ultimately she was rescued out of destruction. And this woman, this prostitute, is in the lineage of Jesus. God caused all things to work together for good. He took the dark threads and built a beautiful tapestry. Listen, the same God who has a divine plan for history, also has a divine plan for your life. The same God who has a divine plan for history has a divine plan for you. You. In a few places in the Psalms, it tells us that God is good and he does good. Psalm 34, eight, it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, the woman who trusts in him. So that means we have to choose to trust even when we don't understand. Being brave even if it's not going to how we want it. Because the Apostle Paul writes right after the verse about knowing that all things work together for good. Right after that verse, Paul writes in verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son. And then in 2 Corinthians, he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And see, when we're transformed into the image of Jesus, the world is changed. God causes, God takes all of the threads, all of the challenges that we go through, all of the mess that might be our life, and he's working really hard to change us into the image of Jesus. Because listen, the world doesn't need to see you. It doesn't need to see me. It needs to see Jesus. And God takes everything that happens in our life, and he causes us to be formed into the image of Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. You recognize this image? That young girl, Akian, at age 9 or 10, actually painted this painting. And I don't know if Jesus really looks like this. He was a Middle Eastern Jew, so close enough for me. But you get the point, right? We are living today in a culture desperate, for Jesus. There are so many injustices on the planet. In the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, it was written during a time when the children of Israel kept vacillating in their worship of God. It was a, a very dark, chaotic, confusing time, just like today. And yet, God always had a person he could use in those dark, depraved times. In those times, he used a woman named Deborah, a man named Gideon, and today on planet Earth, there is much darkness, and God always has a people that he can use. Are you willing to be his people? Are you willing to let him take all of the threads of your life The ones that are confusing to you, the ones that you don't understand, are you willing to let him take all of the threads of your life and form you into the image of Jesus so that you can go to your homes and your communities and your school and your cities and be the solution? Are you willing to be that girl? The girl who rises in the midst of the adversity, the one who is letting God take all of the things and use them for his glory. Listen, I know what it is to be in the middle of painful, hurtful situations. I know that. And in those moments, we all have a chance. We all have the opportunity to sit down, to quit. But see, I'm not living my life for my comfort. I'm living my life so that at the end of it, I meet my Savior and He says, well done, Holly. You ran the race that I assigned you to run in. Yeah, there were obstacles. Yeah, there was challenge. But you let me take all of the threads and form you into the image of Jesus. So the people in your neighborhood could see him. Because see, my name can't raise the dead. My name can't heal bodies. My name can't bring peace, but his can. So you can be brave knowing who you are. Knowing that heaven is your home. And knowing that God will take all things and work them together for your good, and for his good. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your word. Our confidence comes from your word. And we trust you, God. We trust you with our life. We trust you with our situation, forgive us God where we might have been so introspective and so inward focused that we forget you have a plan for the earth. Forgive us God, but from this moment on we're gonna trust you to take all of the threads. All of the threads form us into your masterpiece. We trust you God that all things work together for good. In Jesus name, in Jesus name, amen.